Break wide Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodog for sports odds. The free casino games make a play at Bodog.net. Juan and J-Pad here with you once again as we got to stay in the cup final now, J-Pad. We know who yes. is going to be playing in it. We'll get to that in just a moment here on the podcast. But seeing a lot of movement around the league in terms of coaches right now. Washington's mm. got themselves a new coach. Nashville's got themselves a new coach. We just heard that one today with Andrew brunette moving in there and started to think you know the Canucks made their coaching move last year and they just they still have some holes to fill so wondering really you know what the fans confidence is in this Canucks coaching staff I would think that right now people like Rick Tockett I don't know if how confident they are in Rick Tockett but I think they like Rick Tockett however and we'll get to some of the replies from some of the people but I think a lot of people are saying yeah you know step in the right direction when it comes to this coaching staff but you still got that roster. Yeah, I think it's impossible to fully grade Rick Tockett at this stage. He came in in the middle of the season, as everybody knows, and they got the new coach bump. But they also got the new coach bump for Bruce Boudreaux, and ultimately that didn't work out so well for Bruce. And so where does it go from here, I guess, for Rick Tockett? Like When you look back now, and we've got the benefit of time to sort of reflect on it, obviously Tockett took over when this team was at its lowest of lows, right? They had won two of 12, that gauntlet run in January. Everybody knew the schedule was softening. Everybody knew Thatcher Demko was coming back. And the season kind of played out the way that we anticipated it would. And a lot of wins that ultimately didn't do much other than harm the Canucks draft lottery odds. So that's all history. I think people understand the context there. But when you look at Rick Tockett and you sort of start to chip away a little bit at the work that he did, you know, I watch these playoffs and that's where you truly assess coaches. It's the the matchup game. It's how do they handle the matchup when they're at home and they have the advantage. It's how do they counter it when they're on the road and they don't have that last change. It's the adjustments between games, tweaks here and there. You know, if a guy's going, you know, how do you use them? Do you double shift them? If a guy isn't going, what do you do with them? And, you know, where do you put them in the lineup and those types of things? And then how do you get around injuries that inevitably happen? And, you know, that's where I think you truly grade coaches. And I thought Travis Green did a pretty decent job in the bubble, if you recall. And obviously they got past Minnesota, they got past St. Louis, and they pushed Vegas. It's just unfortunate for him and the organization that that was his only opportunity to coach in the Stanley Cup playoffs, at least so far in his career. He's not here anymore. Talk it, you know, got the opportunity in Tampa way back when. And then he was out of the head coaching game for a while, assistant in Pittsburgh, got the connections with the guys here, went to Arizona. I think it's tough to grade the work that he did in Arizona just based on the roster that he ultimately had there. He had no choice but to play defensive system because, you know, you could prevent goals easier than you can teach guys to go and score if they don't have offense in their game. So, you know, based on what we saw of Rick Tockett here in Vancouver, I, I do love the passion. I would hope that any guy that's a head coach in the National Hockey League would have that passion. I think they all articulated a little differently, but there's no doubt he's got the passion. He is all in on his beliefs. And again, like I think it's important that a guy has that sort of belief in his own systems, but we haven't really seen whether those systems, you know, can stand up to the test of time, you know, four out of seven in a whole bunch of playoff rounds. He likes wall work. He likes board battles, all those types of, that's great. But there's also a big portion of the middle of the ice that you, know, you have to have success in as well. So the entire game isn't played along the boards, but when it is, you've got to have guys that are willing to engage and get in there and, and win their share of battles and, and those types of things. I like the guys that he brought with him. I think the idea of Adam Foote, a player that has accomplished 
the highest of the highs in the sport and yeah. for a team that, you know, needs help defensively. Like, I think that was a sharp hire. I like the idea of Adam Foote. And same thing with Sergey Gonchar. Again, you know, it's a guy that sees the game differently than a lot of guys did when he was playing. You've got Quinn Hughes, who obviously, you know, could generate a ton from the back end and, and could probably still learn a fair bit from a guy like Sergey Gonchar. But, you know, they elected to move off Jason King. I, I want to know who's going to be in charge of the power play. I'm fascinated by who's going to run the power play for the Vancouver Canucks. And then in turn, I mean, we did 82 post-game pods and we had our, you know, the we charted their path to 70% on the penalty kill. And they ultimately got there at the end. But even with Tockett taking over midseason, the penalty kill improved because it couldn't have been any worse. But in the end, the penalty kill still wasn't great. Like, I think we all got blinded by all the shorthanded goals that they scored. And thought, hey, this is cool. They score a bunch when they're shorthanded, but they still gave up an awful lot when they were shorthanded. And so how? How does he address that? Bruce Boudreau never did. Travis Green, that was part of his downfall. Rick Tockett has, you know, he's assigned different players an opportunity. He's still auditioning to try to find penalty killers for this hockey club. But, you know, I think as we sit here in the offseason, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. And there's still this hunt for a third-line center that uh, we all think should come in and be part of the penalty kill you know, getting a healthy Mikheyev back would, would go a long way. But can they even get to league average? Because if they get to league average, that's a marked improvement from the 32nd ranked penalty kill. But, you know, that, that bar seems at the same time lofty to go from 32nd to 15th. But it also in some ways seems low if you're setting the bar just to be you know mid-range with your penalty kill. So, you know, I, I think talking did some good things with this group. And I mean, I got so tired of hearing about structure, but he certainly, he instilled some structure, having Thatcher Demko back and playing as well as he did. And, and, and as much as he did, that certainly helped with the structure, but they did look different under Tockett than they did under Bruce Boudreaux. The question is, was that just a new coach bump? Can he carry this through a first full season? They were 11th in the NHL on the power play this year at 22.7. And of course you pointed out the PK at 71.6. 22.7 is pretty good power play. Like yeah. it's surprising really that they moved on from Jason King when there were only there's only three teams in let's say the top 11 because the Canucks were 11th. There were only three non-playoff teams that were there and that was the Sens, the Sabres and the Canucks. And if you look at the Sens and the Sabres like they look to be sort of on a path to, you know, getting themselves pushing themselves to be a playoff team. So you can kind of see why they they were there. But then you see that sort of unbalance that is a good power play to a really poor penalty kill. So the Canucks definitely have to, you know, get that somewhere in the middle, I would say. But at the same time, too, like, are you surprised that they did sort of move on from Jason? I mean, you do see, you know, a coach like Spencer Carberry, who had a, a fantastic power play with Toronto over the last couple of years. I believe they were first last year and then they were or two years ago and then second this year, you know. Are you surprised that they moved on from King or are you not because of the fact that like this is now Rick Tockett's coaching staff? Yeah, I would sort of lean to the latter there that change happens in pro sports. It's all about people. And I think Jason King's a good person, but apparently he's not Rick Tockett's guy. I mean, he inherited him, carried him on for half a season. And, you know, and to your point about the power play, like I still maintain with Pedersen and Hughes and Miller and mostly Kuzmenko, but Besser saw some time there, but we don't know if Brock Besser is going to be back. Like, I think component parts are there for this to really be an elite power play. You know, same guys have been working together for a bunch of seasons now. Uh, I still think they have to find a way to integrate Pedersen and get him the puck more and get him closer to the net. And so, you know, I'm curious, what does whoever, if it's Rick talking himself running the power play, and it might be, like he may take that portfolio yeah. on as the head coach, 
Again, Sergey Gonchar knows a thing or two about running a power play at the National Hockey League level. Whatever the case, I want to see some tweaks because I do think that this power play can be better. And even though it was 11th overall, really, all it did was offset a lot of the damage that was being done at the other end of the ice when other teams had their power play, right? Like, I mean, the Canucks could score a bunch of power play goals, but some nights they were getting outscored by two because the other teams, you know, they couldn't kill penalties at all. So that's something that I'm really going to be curious to see. I don't expect that they're going to extend their staff. I think Tockett's got the people that he trusts Hmm. around him. You've got two Hall of Famers that ran pretty good power play for the Canucks for a bunch of years, and Daniel and Henrik, at your disposal. You know, could they be brought into the fold here? And also, we heard Rick Tockett at the end of the season talk about, you know, laying things at the feet of this leadership group. I mean, I don't think it's going to be, you know, JT Miller's not going to be a part-time coach and a top gun on this hockey club. But I do think that maybe this leadership group will get a little bit more say in the way maybe they're, you know, free to you know, suggest some things and work hand in hand with coaches rather than being told sort of from the top down. So, you know, to me, that's something that absolutely I want to see with this coaching staff. And then ultimately, you know, I mean, coach, let's be honest, coaches are generally as good as their goaltender. And beyond that, the, the roster that they've got to work with, like Paul Maurice has bounced around. He's had a lot of good years in the league. He's had some not so good years. You know, he looks like a genius right now. But why is that? Because Sergei Bobrovsky is playing out of his mind. People and thought he was done after the Winnipeg stint, right? Well, he like, checked yeah. out, right? Yeah. He had had enough and yeah. tapped out there. And I think people did think that maybe that was the end of the line for him. He's certainly had opportunities in a lot of places, but he's you know found a way to get full buy-in from that group in Florida. And let's see what happens now as they go up against Vegas. Uh, you know, do I think Rick Tockett is one of the top coaches in the National Hockey League? I, I can't get there. I can't say that. Like. Uh, I need to see more, but he also needs more. That much is evident that, again, there are some really nice pieces here in Vancouver. We know that. And he took a shine to a guy like Dakota Joshua. I'm really curious to see what, you know, what can he continue to do? Like, that's sort of some soft clay there that he continues to mold. What can he get out of Dakota Joshua? Where can he take his game? Mm. But ultimately, uh, it's so evident watching these playoffs and last night's clincher by Vegas in Dallas. You know, it's William Carrier, it's Keegan Colasar, it's the bottom of the lineup, guys. And we know that that was an issue. I mean, the bottom six for the Vancouver Canucks was not, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't. And obviously the defense, not good enough either. So again, same issues heading into the offseason about trying to improve this hockey club with a limited budget. We'll see how all that goes. But, you know, I do think that that's where a coach can make a difference is, when we talk about improvement from within, how much better can Dakota Joshua be? Talking at one point said he thinks he could be a twenty goal scorer. I, I have trouble yeah. getting there. Fifteen, I, maybe like on a on a on an outlier season, I could see ten to fifteen as a regular for him. But yeah, I, I don't know if I can go to twenty goal scores. At yeah. one point, I looked when Talkett made that comment. I, I went and looked, and most of the guys that had scored twenty this season yeah. had multiple power play goals. Yeah. And Dakota Joshua doesn't see time. And that's not to say that he couldn't. He couldn't, you know, maybe he becomes a net front guy and a puck retrieval guy, yeah. win some battles down low. But right now, just the the ice time that he gets and the role that he plays, I think it would be tough for him to get to twenty. But I do. Well, but let, 15, me, let me let me think, let me ask you this then, okay? If, if Dakota Joshua is going to get there and not get there with any sort of special teams help. Do the Canucks need to change the way they play in terms of the forecheck? And you know how much I've been going on about Florida's forecheck. Well, look at Vegas. They're a hard forechecking team as well. Dallas too. These are the teams that are the end of the road here. 
So, you know, if Dakota Joshua is going to get himself to be this player that Rick Tockett is talking about, you know, maybe they need to change the style of play. Maybe get in on the forecheck, get guys that can get in on the forecheck. And you'd think someone like Dakota Joshua would be that guy. And I know you and I have sort of questioned whether, you know, that snarl is kind of in him, though. Yeah. And I still think that that's a fair question. I mean, look, I I like the guy. I think overall it was a, a you know overwhelming success to go and sign him to give him an opportunity and he made the most of it but now it's a question of what did he learn from a full season in the national hockey league and can rick talkett continue to channel and develop this guy but it can't just be about one player and so to your point about the poor check how many times did we do post-game pods where kuzmenko was benched and part of it was because rick talkett didn't like you know what he did with the puck or maybe more importantly what he did when he didn't have the puck same with brock besser the you know Talking constantly said, like, it can't just be JT Miller on that line that's getting in on the four check. And so, again, it comes back to personnel. You know, does Rick Talkett have the kind of roster that ultimately he wants? And I would say, no, I don't think that they're there yet. Can and, you develop that, though? Can, can, well, I like, don't know. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like, yeah. you know, Brock Bester says, I want to be here still. If he's back at this stage of his career, like, do you expect a complete, you know, metamorphosis of Brock Besser into this, like, banging and crashing, you know, getting in on the forecheck? And part of the forecheck is you've got to be able to get there, first of all. Yeah. Like, we talk about forecheck and hustle and or aggression, and, you know, it means nothing if you're two steps behind and the defenseman can get back to the puck and move it. So, yeah, yeah and the game just continuing to get faster, and even the physical guys have to be mobile enough to get in on the forecheck to get a piece of the defenseman, to pressure them, let them hear those footsteps come. And otherwise, you know, the game's just too easy at the highest level for the, you know, truly elite defenseman. They'll just go back, make their play, and break the puck out. Well, I don't know if you saw, but Andre Kuzmenko is going to be a fighter next year. I did. You yeah. saw that video? Talking, probably yeah. digging that. Yeah. yeah. Where is he, by the way? In Thailand or something? Like, where... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where in the world is Andre Kuzmenko? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, He's like Carpet yeah, San Diego. morning routine. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to some of the replies here from yeah. the people, though, because we did ask them. You know, we gave them a few questions today. We said, how confident are you in the Canucks coaching staff? What do you feel are their strengths and weaknesses? And is Rick Tockett the right coach to turn this team around? So we'll start with Parker Glenn, who says, who's out there that's better than Rick Tockett right now? And this got me thinking a little bit that, I mean, Rick Tockett so clearly was the guy that Patrick Elvin and Jim Rutherford wanted, right? The connection from Pittsburgh, Stanley Cup championships, all those types of things. But there was no wide net cast. There was no coaching search. There was no interviews. It was Rick Tockett. Same went with Bruce Boudreaux. I mean, when Travis Green was fired, everything had to happen in a hurry. And we know that the owner went to Boudreaux and brought him in. Travis Green, I think it earned his opportunity with the work he'd done in Utica. But yeah, and I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think there was much of a coaching search then. Like, I think Travis Green earned the promotion with his work in the American Hockey League and got promoted from the farm to the big league team. I mean, the last time the Canucks did any sort of really thorough coaching search, I think, was when they hired Willie Desjardins. And even then, you know, the Medicine Hat connection with Trevor Linden, like, I think they had their eye on Willie D for quite some time. So, you know, before that, Torts was kind of handpicked to squeeze that last little bit out of uh, an aging core. Uh, and we know Alan Vigneault obviously had uh, the greatest run and tenure of a head coach in, in Vancouver Canuck history. So, you know, it's been a while as I, I look around what's going on in the National Hockey League, and it sounds like Spencer Carberry was here, there, and everywhere. He's popping up and bouncing around, and Peter Laviolette seems to be getting the treatment here, and he's had some interviews, and now what about, like, what about Gold, Joel Quenville? Like, is, Gerard, the, uh, yeah, I think I, I th- still. I hope the league makes the right decision here. I'm sorry, like, yeah. for something like that to happen on your watch, to me, if I'm the league, unforgivable. 
Yeah, I, I, think I think he'll get back, though. I think he will. Do you? I, yeah. I think team. I think we're seeing that teams are recognizing that it's just not I hope worth so. the. Okay. Even he made you know the hockey chops, the Stanley Cups, but that's not what you're getting. You know, when you're I bringing just, Joel Quinville and you're. I don't have confidence in hockey in the NHL. I just, we've seen so much of this bullshit over the years that I'm just blind. Like I was thinking about it the other day, whatever happened with the, the sexual assault charge with the, with team Canada, the world junior team, what's going on with that? Right. Like I know we're going on a different tangent, but I'm bringing it back to the fact that they turn a blind eye to a lot of things. So I would hope, and I think Joe Kemble's a good coach, but with his, those actions, I'm sorry. That doesn't fly. You're not allowed back in my league, but anyway, right. And to the questioner, this isn't, that's not really the question of who else is out there because they got their guy. You know, Gerard Gallant, I think, has proven in regular seasons he's a really good coach yeah. and was in New York, but it went sideways in the playoffs a little bit. But now, you know, it sounds like he's interested in the Calgary gig and we'll see if he winds up there because that's the other thing for Tockett. You got to coach your team, but, you know, you're also battling in a division that. Bruce Cassidy's got the biggest Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup. And I think Bruce Cassidy is one of the better coaches in the National Hockey League. You know, I think Todd McClellan's a really good coach down in Los Angeles. Like, I think he gets his teams to understand who they are, what their strengths are, and then play to them. You know, Anaheim's job is open, so we'll see who goes in there. But Calgary, uh, you know, if it's Gerard Gallant, I mean, the Canucks are going to be battling with the Calgary Flames. Like, that's, you know, again, if you're trying to make headway in the Pacific, I still think that uh, there's some meat on that Calgary bow, and they're they're not done. They're not going to turn that roster over in, entirely. So, uh, yeah, again, it's not about the Canucks doing a wide search, but I just wanted to point out that it's been a while as teams are doing these, like casting a wide net in the offseason. The Vancouver Canucks uh, have taken a different path, and obviously they landed the guy that they wanted, and now it's a question of, you know, what kind of job can Rick Tockett do with a full training camp, with the knowledge of the 36 games that he had behind the bench, a full understanding of the roster that he has taken over? What does this team look like for a full season next year? Chugger says 7 out of 10. Raises the floor to the point where they will likely make the playoffs this year, but overall, he limits their ceiling. That's an interesting line at the end there. He limits their ceiling. I would say their not, roster limits their ceiling. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it looked like he put handcuffs on Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes. I mean, those guys were uh, better after the coaching change, and they were already having incredible seasons. So I'm not sure I'd go along with that. But I think I'm probably in that range on the 1 to 10 scale, just, you know, in what I have seen and what I think of Rick Tockett. And now, you know, I'm open to seeing him prove that he can be an 8 or a 9 or all the way to a 10, but he's got some some serious work in front of him. All right, Brutus says, I would have liked to see Jason King stick around. The power play was solid most of the year, which, of course, we talked about. Any word on who might replace him? And then I guess, you know, you you answered that with perhaps it's Rick Tockett, but, you know, like Spencer Carberry would have been a great guy to add, but I think he was obviously going to take that next step in his coaching career. So, you know, do you think there perhaps is a replacement or do you think it's within, like you mentioned earlier? Yeah, I mean, I think at the time there was a suggestion out there. I'm not sure if it was David Quadrelli at Canucks Army or somebody had tweeted that he understood that the plan was not to add to the coaching staff. So Tockett had control of the Penguins power play as an assistant in their Stanley Cup winning years. And that's what makes me think that, you know, that may just be something that sort of falls ultimately on his shoulders. You know, I don't think Mike Yo is a power play guy. I don't think Adam Foote necessarily is a power play guy. Gonchar defenseman throughout his career but as we said certainly knew how to run a a national hockey league power play so you know we'll see where it goes i am that's a question the next time i get a chance to talk to rick talkett certainly would ask about responsibilities and we may have to wait until training camp to kind of get some answers on that front i will say though 
Minnesota Wild made a coaching change and Brett McLean has been an assistant in Minnesota. He's taken their AHL head coaching job. And I saw people in Minnesota on social media clamoring for the Wild to bring in somebody to run the power play. And then I thought, well, that's interesting. Like, I wonder if Jason yeah. King, yeah. he hasn't popped up yet. So I wonder if that might be the kind of guy that they would look at. And, you know, a guy that has experience on an NHL bench and certainly was in charge of a, a fairly successful power play here. So just keep that in mind. All right. So one more here from Techmosis says, I like what I've seen heard so far. Players are being held more accountable. Roles are more clearly defined and there's more structure. There it is with better defined system. Practices seem to be more structured and focused too. He doesn't try to be players friends. He acts like a coach. And maybe that was a bit of a downfall for Bruce Boudreaux, right? Yeah. Bruce was the right fit at a time when everybody was down and and there wasn't much, you know, in the way of good mojo. And he came in and he propped guys up. Like he was the right guy in that moment. And it worked. But ultimately, when you think back to last season and especially that start, like all those blown leads, you have to adjust. You had to tighten up in the third period. You may love offensive hockey, but it's about winning and whatever it takes to win. And they just didn't do enough to clamp down and limit the mistakes and all those types of things. So the start of this coming season is so important. They just, if there's one of 32 teams in the league that can't afford to stumble out of the gate and throw up all, all over itself, it is the Vancouver Canucks. And so I'm curious. I mean, we've heard talk and talk about guys getting into town earlier. I don't think that was an issue in the past. All those skates out at rinks that we, would see video of guys like they were here in advance. So I don't think that was as big a deal, but you know, what does his training camp look like? Five day training camp in Victoria. How does he approach the preseason? Everything is about being ready for opening night, but they were ready for opening night last year. They had a three nothing lead. I mean, the first period in Edmonton was one of the best periods they played, but you know, it's a 60 minute game. It's not a 20 minute game. So what does it look like if they get some early leads? Cause you know, the fan base is going to say like, Hey, been there and done that show me how you're going to make it different this time around. So, you know, that's going to be some of the challenge for Rick Tockett right off the bat is steering this team out of the gate, getting off to a decent start. You know, they're going to lean on Thatcher Demko a ton. Can't wait to see the schedule. You know, where's the first back-to-back? Because my guess is that if the first back-to-back is six or eight or 10 games into the season, that you can pencil Demko in for, you know, all of those starts up until that first back-to-back. Like, I think they're going to want the stability Thatcher Demko, if he's backing at the top of his game, and we'll see where it goes from there. So, you know, there's a ton to look forward to. That's why, again, feels sort of like the dog days of the offseason, and it is, but it's June on Thursday, and then it's full steam ahead to the draft and beyond that free agency. So things are going to happen here shortly, but it just felt like a good day to sort of step back and just look at coaching for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And, and like things are going to heat up here. Like I mentioned, the Stanley cup final is starting on Saturday. So, you know, if it goes seven and you know, the distance it'll go, but or, or the length it'll go. But then after that, it is full steam ahead for a lot of teams in the NHL. And yeah, we're starting to see news now trickle out coaching changes, et cetera. So I'll see a lot more here in the coming weeks. Uh, by the way, we mentioned it on the pod yesterday, but we got some gift cards to give away courtesy of our yeah, friends we do. at Best Buy Canada. So just going to let you know, head over to at Rinkwide Van and look for the post. We'll have it up a little bit later today and uh, just follow the instructions there for your chance to win $50 to Best Buy. And boy, $50, that can get you some good stuff at Best Buy. A lot of good things there to pick up and, uh, you know, perhaps you'll get that. Uh, 
rangefinder you've been looking for, uh, J-Pat. I, I know, <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm only breaking your balls. That's probably for me, but uh, I don't think, uh, can I get one that can find the ball for me as opposed to, you know, the distance that I'm supposed you to You need hit? one that can find yeah. the hole. That, there you Well, the rangefinder can do that. It's just whether I can hit it there. Yes. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. As always, you can send your Ask J-Pats into us at the GoGo Sports inbox at 778-402-9680 or hit us up on Twitter at RinkWideVan. And of course, give us a follow if you're not following us already. I've got an Ask J-Pat question today because I've been looking at these rosters of the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, I don't see a lot of drafted and developed guys here, J-Pat, when you consider especially the superstars that are on this team, Jack Eichel, uh, and of course, um, uh, Matthew Kachuk, excuse me, on the Florida Panthers. So it's got me wondering, like, you know, the way that these GMs are sort of running these teams, it's almost like they're, they're playing EA hockey or, or chell, as the kids say on the be a GM mode with all these crazy trades and signing all these big, you know, free agents that usually don't ever come available. And I'm looking at the Canucks roster and I'm wondering with the mess that is the salary cap and the way that, you know, you're going to see salaries go, especially with Elias Patterson, would it be wise to perhaps, Take a sniff around the NHL and see who might be interested in EP40. Ooh. Oh, there'd be a lineup around the block and then some. Uh, it would be one way. It would be the fastest way, I suppose, out of uh, cap hell for them. Uh, but it would also throw everything that they've been building here for the last bunch of years into complete shambles. And then Quinn Hughes would probably be like, uh, if hey, I'm gone, over here, guys. Yeah, yeah I'm out of here, too. Um <laughs> So I don't anticipate that's going to happen. But uh, again, it's on this long list and it's up near the very top of the long list of things to watch in the offseason for the Vancouver Canucks is where does this go with Elias Pettersson and, and, you know, contract extension talks. But, um, yeah, look, Vegas, obviously, we know that they've got an owner that's been remarkably impatient, uh, but it's worked. I mean, three coaches in six years, but two trips to the Stanley Cup final, and now they go in as the favorites this time around. Um, you know, Vegas is a little different only because they started from scratch, sure. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so they weren't going to sit around and try to develop their own players. Yes. Uh, so they, they got one the guy out. in their lineup right now that was drafted by them. One guy. Egg? <laughs> uh, it is Nicholas Hag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, 34th overall. Florida's different. Like Florida's been aggressive, obviously, when you think of some of the deals. But look, they got Aaron Ekblad as a first overall pick. Like that's a nice piece to to certainly build around. And Barkov was a second overall pick, I think. So, um, you know, yeah, when second, you, I believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and, and it's funny, actually, I was just looking at uh, all the second overall picks that are, you know, still alive in these playoffs. Eichel was the second overall pick, Barkov, uh, Sam Reinhardt was the second overall pick yeah, in his yeah. draft. And What about uh, Petrangelo? What was he in the Eric in the Stahl draft? way back when was the second overall pick uh, in his draft. So, um, yeah, I mean, Florida's, look, like, Florida's been aggressive. Obviously, the Matthew Kachuk deal is uh, at the top of that list, but Sam Reinhardt's had an incredible playoff run. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Ask Toronto Sam, about Sam Reinhardt. Getting Sam Bennett in there as a fourth. Like, they've accumulated, like, you know, Bennett was a fourth overall pick. I know some people, you know, the whole chin-up thing back in the day, but they've, they've accumulated a lot of these guys that were, you know, right up at the top of the draft, even if they're on their second or, in some cases, third teams. Um you know, I always say guys are taken high in the draft, like they're taken there because of their skill, but generally they also have really hockey, high hockey IQ, and that doesn't go away uh, even over time. So sometimes it just takes guys a little longer to develop than teams would like, and they get a little impatient. And, you know, that's when the smart teams are able to, to pounce and, and hop on some of these players that uh, just needed a, a new lease on life. So, uh, you know, as far as the Canucks are concerned, what can they learn from I'm not sure you can learn anything from Vegas. They just with the blank slate and the way that yeah. they started. Yeah. Um, they just fleeced the league as well. And, you know, some people might say that was, you know, the league sort of screwed up. I, I don't agree with that. I, I mean, I think Vegas just did a masterclass there. Like, I don't think the NHL like, did them any favors. I, I think they were able to, to fleece the league. And then, of course, the league sort of caught up afterwards and didn't make the same mistakes with Seattle. But then you look at Seattle and look at the success that they had this year in, in the playoffs as well. But, yeah, so if you're, Vegas, you're right about like, Vegas, though. Yeah. But if you're Vegas, like, you know, if I sat here and like, like take the team name out of the equation and I said, here's your blueprint for a Stanley Cup is to go assemble this really good team. And oh yeah, you're going to use your fourth string goaltender. Um, you know, most fourth? people would. Isn't he fifth? Well, I mean, I guess he's I... past quick now, but I, I think yeah. originally, yeah. But I mean, of all the trades that they've made, uh, all of a sudden, and the Eichel trade's looking pretty good for them. But getting yeah. Aiden Hill for a fourth round pick last summer uh, out of San Jose, a team that didn't exactly have a ton of goaltending depth, but uh, they were willing to move off Aiden Hill. And Aiden Hill had bounced around, and like at the time, Vegas was, I'm sure, just thinking he was depth. And I love stories like that, though, and especially a BC guy, um, you know, just getting an opportunity, making the most of it, pitching a shutout in the elimination game to advance to the Stanley Cup final. Come on, like that's uh, really good stuff. But yeah, I just think it's difficult. To, you know, again, that owner, uh, Bill Foley in Vegas, an aggressive guy, uh, an impatient guy. If I Bruce Cassidy, I better you know, better win this Stanley Cup, or you know he'll probably get fired. Just that's how they operate uh, in <laughs> that's, Vegas. That's true. Uh, <laughs> no pressure here, dude. Just uh, win the cup, or else um, <laughs> we'll call you a cab. But um, yeah, I mean, look, big game hunting that we all know about. Whether it was Mark Stone, whether it was Alex Petrangelo going in on Jack Eichel, and there've been a few other pieces. But you know, they made some nice deals, smaller like. Barbashev was a nice pickup at the trade deadline this year, and he's been, uh, you know, really uh, impressive for them. But then that's why I said, like earlier, like last night, to get contributions from the bottom of the lineup, and not just contributions like getting into the forecheck and setting the tone, like getting goals from William Carrier and, and Keegan Colasar. Um, yeah, like I mean, you know, to me that would be what like the equivalent of Jack Stanika and Nils Amon or somebody. And I'm not saying that they couldn't, but, you know, at this stage of the playoffs, would you be banking on, you know, those being the guys that step up in a in a game six on the road in the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? But, uh, 
you know, that's why you need your star players, but you also have to surround them uh, with better players. And and Florida's got its own pieces there. I mean, Nick Cousins scores the, the goal to eliminate the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Like, you know, he hasn't done a ton in these playoffs, but when the chips were down in that series, he stepped up and obviously their leaders are leading and then they're getting contributions from other guys that are uh, doing their thing. But ultimately, uh, it's Bob as the backstop that has them where they are now and what a fascinating goaltending matchup. Uh, the $10 million guy against a, a guy that was acquired for a fourth-round pick uh, last summer is sort of an afterthought. Nine players have been traded for in the roster right now for the Vegas Golden Knights. So they like to make the deals. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Required Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's home for casino games and sports odds where everyone goes to play. Let's get into that playoff talk now. And of course, the Golden Knights moving on to the Stanley Cup final after pasting the Stars last night. I don't know if I saw that one coming. I, I oh, we clearly the didn't. to win. Yeah. Oh, I remember I, I had them because plus yeah. money with VGK. I thought I'm like, we were no, going no. seven. I yeah. didn't think we were going seven after about uh, the five-minute mark of the hockey game. No, I, I actually – so I have um, – I was watching the basketball game on the laptop and the hockey game on the TV. They flipped. I was <laughs> like, no, 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 not doing it. And then, of course, the basketball game ended up being not so good as well. But, yeah, that game was that, over early. Yeah, and, and when you look at the series, like the night that Jamie Benn got tossed and suspended, you know, they were down early in that one. Like, you just would have thought that Dallas would have sort of read the writing on the wall, understood what was at stake. I mean, I'm sure they did. And yet they just had sort of no defense at all, no resistance. Again, Vegas comes out, comes out firing, gets the early goal, adds to it, and then uh, just kind of felt like a long night for the Dallas Stars the rest of the way. So, you know, a good season for Dallas. It's still a really good team. I mean, that core group with Ottinger and Heiskanen and, and Jason Robertson and why Johnson doing his thing, uh, you know, they're going to add to it. The Logan Stankoven and Kamloops and uh, there are other, like other pieces that are going to, the stars aren't going anywhere. Um, you know, well coached by Pete DeBoer, but just ran into a team that was, a, I guess, a little bit deeper. And in that series got a little bit better goaltending as surprising as that may sound. Uh, and it does sort of beg the question. And I think this is something that the Vancouver Canucks have to be watching is, you know, Jake Ottinger, was kind of one of those outliers this year of the real workhorses around the National Hockey League. And then you add on an extra 20 games where you need your guy to be at the top of his game night in, night out. And did that play like, you know, he was really good in the first series against Minnesota, but he wasn't great against Seattle and ultimately wasn't that great here against Vegas. And so, uh, you, you know, again, I do think that's a lesson that Vancouver Canucks have to, as we spend so much time talking about who's going to be the backup. I think you have to factor that in as well, is what is the optimal workload for Thatcher Demko? If this team thinks it's going to be a playoff team, you know, it doesn't want to just arrive in the playoffs and have its goalie exhausted. Like, you want to make sure that Thatcher Demko is, you know, in peak form if they're able to get to the postseason. So what's that workload? This is a guy that got hurt when they played him too much down the stretch last year. Remember, he didn't finish the season a year ago. He was injured. 
And then the injury this time around wasn't a fatigue thing, but still, like, you know, he's been hurt in a couple of the last seasons. Um, the Canucks, have, they, they just no choice. They've got to be mindful of that. So, you know, I think all that's going to factor into some very interesting goaltending decisions that this organization makes. I still think that they're going to lean on Demko early just because they can't afford to fall behind, but they're going to have to find some ways to lighten his workload. Uh, and I do, it's, I, I, you know, I don't know if that ultimately was what did the Dallas Stars in, but it is curious that Ottinger was one of those. Yeah. absolute workhorses this year that you know the league seems to be going away from yeah and it, and his game sort of fell off in the end really right like i mean he was fantastic early on and then just yeah the as it moved on he wasn't really the same so yeah there's definitely some then some caution there for the canucks and not only that too like uh, you know <laughs> are you gonna try the experiment of spencer martin once again right if he, you know if you think he is that guy it's be interesting to see exactly where they go, but they do have Arthur Seeloff sort of waiting in the wings. So we'll see exactly how that plays out for the Canucks, but uh, it's game over for the Dallas Stars. They've been eliminated uh, from the uh, from the playoffs, and it'll be the Golden Knights and the Panthers in the final. We chose, what do we have? So our for our conference final predictions, we both had Carolina, we both had Vegas, so we are wrong. We got 50% of that right, but uh, for Con Smythe, are you still sticking with Eichel, that was your Con Smythe guy going into the conference final. And as I look at the Bodog odds right now, Eichel's at plus 375. You still believe in him? I'll get your prediction for the uh, Stanley Cup final in just a moment, though. Yeah, I'm going to reserve predictions for uh, a little later in the week. Let's okay. hold on to the predictions. Okay, sure. Uh, on the Con Smythe, I will say that William Carlson is gaining some real steam now. Um, and it's for his two-way performance that, yeah, I mean, he scored last night and can contribute some offense, but he has been in that shutdown role that's allowed guys like Jack Eichel to take advantages of some mismatches. And that's what we talked about earlier with coaching in the playoffs. Like so much of that is putting your players in the positions to succeed. And William Carlson has just been an absolute two-way beast for, you know, it's maybe not the sexiest stuff, but I do think the people that vote on it, um, you know, they're looking at those types of things that you get down to the Stanley Cup final, the ones that have the votes for the con smite. Like, you know, they understand a guy like Carlson and his contributions. And so I'll stick with Eichel just because I, I do think he's the most talented player and certainly stands to reason that, you know, he's been up to the challenge in the first three rounds. You know, I could see him having a big Stanley Cup final, but don't sleep on William Carlson. I do think that he is gaining some steam here, uh, much like. You know, if Carolina had advanced, if Carolina had got to the Stanley Cup final, people were saying, like, you know, Jacob Slavin might be the most unlikely con smite winner of all time. But that's out the window now because they didn't advance. And he was last seen being knocked into next year by by Sam Bennett. By the guy that uh, couldn't do one chin up. Yeah. But, but I'm <laughs> saying, it kind of feels like the type of year where. You know, if Kachuk wins, I mean, let's see, or sorry, Florida wins, I think it's Kachuk or Bobrovsky, but let's see what the Stanley Cup final looks like, I suppose. Um, but I do think that maybe it's a little wider um, open field for Vegas, and we're going to have to see how things unfold in the Stanley Cup final. Well, Bodog's got 18 people down for the Consumite Trophy right now. William Carr, he's not one of them. Really? He's not one of them. No. Laurent Brossois. Is that plus 20,000? I so like is that Alex Lyon. better than Laurent Boissois. <laughs> My choice, of course, was Jonathan Marchessault. And at the time when we were looking at it, he didn't have a, a value as well uh, going into the conference final. But they got him there now. He's actually got the fourth lowest odds and at plus 650 
for Marcia So to win the Con Smythe as well. So yeah, let's save the Stanley Cup final prediction for a l- little bit later on in the week. But uh, yeah, we got half of it right going into uh, the conference final. We both had Vegas, but uh, I really thought Carolina was the favorite going in. I, I-, I thought they were going to be able to roll. And honestly, maybe I should start thinking about that when it comes to my Stanley Cup final prediction, because I have just, I don't think I've picked Florida once in these playoffs and they just continue uh, to roll. Of course, our playoff talk is presented by our buddy, Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. And you know, he'll be watching the Stanley Cup final with uh, terrific interest, Uh, but he's also watching mortgage rates because that's what he does uh, for, you know, the day job. So, uh, you can watch hockey. You can actually probably watch both at the same time. Uh, but he's out there watching mortgage rates and trying to find you the best product if you're in the market for a home, if you're up for a renewal. Uh, he wants to talk to you, and he loves to talk. He loves to talk hockey, but he also likes to talk mortgages and ways to save you money. And at the end of the day, who doesn't want to save some cash? So uh, we're down to the final seven games of the National Hockey League season. Maybe fewer than that, but we know that uh, there won't be more than seven. Uh, don't let time run out on you. Again, if uh, you back yourself into a corner when it comes time for a, a mortgage renewal, Jason's there to help. So reach out to him. That's the first step. Make the phone call and take it from there. Jason Hominick, you'll find him at jason.mortgage. We love to talk and we'll continue to talk throughout the week here on Rinkwide Vancouver as we'll get you set uh, for the Stanley Cup final and all the news and notes around the NHL. And of course, everything. Vancouver Canucks. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. Unlike the Dallas Stars, but always score.